podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to the Daily Red, your lunchtime catch-up on all things at Liverpool FC. On a Monday, on which you're not getting this at lunchtime, there were some uploading issues, uh, partly because there was a storm and uh, my internet and electricity went out for many's the hour, but also because we're doing some changes behind the scenes, hence you're getting this a few hours later than normal. But not to worry too much, it is here. I am here, and isn't that making your Monday for you? Uh, Liverpool beat Brentford 3-0 in the Premier League yesterday to go second in the table, which is all very good. Um, City obviously dropped more points away to Chelsea, so they're only, what, a point ahead of us? It's pretty good. We're in a pretty good position. Now, we do play them next, and that's going to be difficult, especially the fact it's a 12.30 kickoff. But... We'll see what happens. We might be able to go there and get something. We certainly have the firepower and attack. We have the best goalkeeper on the planet. And we once again have the best centre-back on the planet. And today, I don't really care about anything else. Before we actually, before I go to Virgil, uh, the club have announced that the the Anfield Road stand, uh, they hope to have it fully operational by March. March. It was meant to be done at the start of September, March, which means that the original crowd that were working on it were nowhere close to completion when they went out of business. They were well behind schedule because the secondary group that came in came in pretty close to the date the first one dropped out. There wasn't wasn't a six or seven month gap. It was maybe a month. So, um... Yeah, not good, not good. But at least it's getting done. Anyway, back to more important matters, and that more important matter is Virgil van Dijk, the club captain of Liverpool Football Club, the man who has been the leader of this team since the day he walked through the door in January of 2018. There is no question that he is one of the best centre-backs of all time. But the knock you hear from morons, really, is that he doesn't have the longevity of some of the other greats. So I thought, you know what? Fair enough. Let's have a quick look. So let's go through Virgil's career. So he has basically two seasons at Groningen. In 12-13, he's the best centre-back in the Eredivisie. He goes to Celtic. He has two seasons there. He's the best centre-back in Scotland by a country mile in both years. And then he joins Southampton, where he's immediately the best centre-back in the league. Now, you could make an argument for Toby Alderweireld, and there's a fairly good argument made, but I would go with Virgil. 
Either way, he's in the top two, but I would say he's the top one. In 16-17, he's again the best centre-back in the league. And then he gets injured. We get to the summer of 2017, and it's time for him to leave. And he has offers from every top club. He decides he wants to join Liverpool. Tom Werner runs his mouth. We get in a bit of trouble. Deal goes away, but doesn't really go away. It's meant to get done on deadline day. Southampton fuck us over. It gets pushed to January. Virgil is furious. He's also still dealing with some injury issues, and he doesn't have a great first half to 17-18. But when he joins us, he immediately becomes the best centre-back in the league again. And by the end of that season, was undeniably the best centre-back in the world. 2018-19 is the single best season any centre-back has ever had in the history of the game. And you can argue with whatever fucking wall you want to. That is just a fact. 1920, he's not quite as good, but he's still comfortably the best in the league. He's still comfortably the best in the world. And there's just no debate about it. 2021, he starts off in great form. And then a man with very, very, very short arms injures him and he misses the rest of the season. He comes back after an ACL tear, plays 51 games in 21-22, and again, is comfortably the best centre-back on the planet. So you've now had three years of Virgil as the best centre-back in world football in his, well, three and a half years, really, in his four and a half years at the club. Three and a half out of four and a half. He's been the best centre-back in the league for five years out of a potential seven. And the only reason... He wasn't the best for the rest of it was because he was injured. First half of the year, at a year at Southampton basically and a year with us. End of one season, beginning of the next, and then a full season. Five seasons is the best centre-back in the league. Then last season, he had a poor year by his standards. By anyone else's standards, he had a decent year. But by his standards, it was poor. And you see, the issue for Virgil, as I've said before, is that the only person Virgil can be compared to is himself. The greatest achievement in the careers of the likes of William Saliba is being compared to Virgil. The greatest disrespect to Virgil is comparing him to the likes of Saliba because they're nowhere close to his level. He plays on a totally different stratosphere than all the rest of them. Last season, Trent was awful. Ibu missed half the season. Gomez was poor. Matip was poor. And Robertson was poor. So around him, all the defenders were poor. Ali was still great. And the midfield was an absolute shit show. So you've got a great goalkeeper. And then six of the other pieces around him are dreadful whether it's Thiago with injuries, Fabinho falling off a cliff, Henderson being Henderson, Trent, whatever is wrong or was wrong with him, the injuries in the right side centre-back spot and the decline of Andy Roberts. That is not an environment where a central defender can really thrive. Now, this season, 
Virgil is, again, comfortably the best centre-back in the league. And I would say, once again, the best centre-back in the world. You could make an argue, argument for Kim at Bayern, but he doesn't have Virgil's rounded skill set. He's not as good 1v1 as Virgil. He's not as good a recovery defender as Virgil. He's not as good in the air as Virgil. He is very good in the air, but not quite as good as Virgil. He's definitely not as good on the ball as Virgil. So Virgil is putting together another season as the world's best defender. That will be four out of six years. Four out of five years in which he's actually played because he was injured. It will be his sixth year as the best defender in the league. And considering the times he hasn't been the best defender in the league since his arrival were largely plagued by injuries, the back half of that 16-17 season, the first half of 17-18, and then obviously the 2021 season. You can just say this guy has been the best defender in the league since 2015. Because the only times he hasn't been are when he's been injured or when he's surrounded by an absolute shit show as he was last season. So when we talk about longevity, people bring up John Terry. John Terry was never as good as Virgil, never even close to as good as Virgil. John Terry was rarely the best defender in his own team. In fact, there's probably only about two seasons in which John Terry was the best defender in his team. And it's really close because they had Branislav Ivanovic for that time as well. But Ricardo Carvalho was better than him. And then Cesar Aspilicueta was a better defender than him as well, playing left back, then right back, and then in the back three. John Terry will tell you, oh, I, I look at all the leagues, uh, leagues and cups I won. Well, let's have a look at John Terry's leagues and cups. Yeah, he won a bunch of league titles. Uh, the last one he won, he barely played because the reason they won it was the manager making the decision to drop him because he was a liability. Uh, his Champions League winner's medal is a farce. He didn't play in the final. His Europa League medal is a farce. He didn't play in the final. And all in all, nobody respects any of Chelsea's success because they bought every single bit of it. Uh, Rio Ferdinand gets brought up. Rio Ferdinand was never the best defender at Manchester United. Yapsam before him was so far better, it, it's not even f- fair to compare. And when he played with Nemanja Vidic, Nemanja Vidic, Nemanja Vidic was better than him. Patrice Everett was also better than him as a defender in that team. So Rio has longevity, but not longevity is the best defender in the world. Not longevity is the best defender in the league. Neither does John Terry. Neither of them were ever the best defender in the league. Neither of them were ever the best defender in the world. They might have some pots and pans, but facts are facts. And when you go back and look at those seasons, neither of them were ever the best defender in the world. Like, their primes were the late 2000s. Nemanja Vidic was better than both of them. And Nemanja Vidic isn't as good, wasn't as good as Virgil. Like, Vincent Company wasn't as good as Virgil. Vincent Company was great, but he wasn't as good as Virgil. Look back through the history of the Premier League and try and find a better defender than Virgil. Just a better defender. Not even longevity or anything else. Just find me a better defender, because you won't. You can look at Saul Campbell, and Saul was great. There's no question. And Saul was probably the best defender in the league for three years. 
Then Carvalho was the best defender in the league for about three years. And then Vidic was the best defender in the league for about three years. And then it was company for probably two years, maybe three, three years, say. And then I would say it was Aspilicueta as the best defender in the league for probably about 18 months. And then Virgil arrived. So probably three and a half years for company, but 18 months for Aspilicueta. And then Virgil arrives. And since Virgil arrived, it has been Virgil, barring injuries or last season. And last season, the best defender in the league was Sven Botman. That's one season for him. Go back before Saul Campbell, and it you're looking at... Let's see. Let's actually work this out. So the Premier League begins in 92-93, and Paul McGrath is the best defender in the league for the first two years. So that... Let me get a piece of... If I can find a piece of paper in this office, that'll be great. There we go. So 93-94... Sorry, 92-93 and 93-94. It's McGrath. From 94 to 98, it's Tony Adams. Yap Stam arrives in 98, and it's Yap Stam until 2001. Then it's Campbell from 01 to 04. And then from 04, I would say to about 08, which is actually four years, is Carvalho. From 08 to 11, I would say... It was Vidic. Torres aside, Vidic was pretty much untouchable. Then it's company from 11 to 14. It's actually a year of Aspie. 14 15 is Aspie Laquette's year. Now, if we're looking for the best centre back in the league in 14 15, I would say it's Toby Alderweireld at Southampton. I would say Alderweireld is... That season at Southampton, he was sensational. So we'll say Aspilicueta or Alderweireld. Fifteen, sixteen. It's Toby or Virgil. Toby gets a lot more credit because he's at Spurs and Virgil's at Southampton, but I think there's a real case that Southampton are the two best centre-backs in the league for back-to-back seasons. Uh, 16-17, again, it's Virgil. Now, he does get injured that year, but he still plays 21 league games. 17-18, he has an up-and-down first half of the season, still a couple of spectacular games, but still going to be Virgil. 18-19 is obviously Virgil. 
1920 is obviously Virgil. 2021 is Ruben Diaz because Virgil got injured. But no other reason. Virgil got injured. Simple as that. 21-22, Virgil. And 22-23 was Botman. And now 23-24, it's Virgil again. One, two, three, four, five, six. This will be his seventh season as the best defender in the league. Seventh. Meaning there's two seasons since he joined the league where he hasn't been the best defender. Now, again, yes, two of them, it's only for half or just over the this half of the season, but still, he's that much above that it's very hard to make any argument against him. There's probably a year between 94 and 98 where Gary Pallister was the best centre-back. But I would say Adams overall was the best centre-back at that time. Campbell is undeniable. Carvalho is undeniable. Vidic is undeniable. Company is undeniable. The Aspilicueta Alderweireld thing, it just depends on whether you just look at centre-backs or defenders. And then it's just Virgil. Virgil has more longevity as the best centre-back in England than anyone in Premier League history. And if you go back before the Premier League, you're probably looking at Alan Hansen in the 80s with more. Alan would probably have had eight years of the 80s where he was the best defender in the league. But Virgil is closing in on on that level of longevity. So this idea that he doesn't have the longevity, that he had two or three great seasons, is nonsense. Because he was great at Southampton. There's a reason Southampton bought him for 12 million and sold him for 75 after two and a half years. There's a reason for that. And sold him to a club that doesn't like to spend money, but was so adamant that this was the guy they had to have. There's a reason for it. He's that good. And wherever he's been, with the lone exception of last year, wherever he's been, since 12-13, he's been the best centre-back in that respective league, barring injury. Like That's phenomenal. He is an all-timer. In terms of being the best in the world, I would say this is year four. 18, 19, 19, 20, 21, 22, and this season. Plus the 17, 18 second half of it. So you could say year five. There's very few in history have been the best centre-back in the world for five seasons. Baresi, Nesta, that's probably about it. That's probably about it. In the last 40 years, anyway, that probably is it. Baresi late 80s into the 90s, probably had about six or seven years as the best in the world. And then Nesta, late 90s through the 2000s, through, well, most of the way through the 2000s, up until about 2007, was probably him. Other than that, it's three and four years is the most anyone gets, really. 
And we had that odd period after. And to be fair, this, even some of those Nesta seasons, you could argue about Stam and the early part of it. But I'd still put Nesta above Stam, even when both were at their best. Nesta was incredible at Lazio. But other than Nesta and Baresi, I, I don't know that you're really coming up with anybody who's ever been the best centre-back in the world as many seasons as Virgil. So the idea that longevity counts against him, I'm sorry. It's horseshit. This guy is performing right now at a level that I think is above the 2021-22 season, slightly below the 1920-20 season, and then a notch below 18-19. But we're still early, and you have to remember that he's playing with less than stellar play at left-back, a rotating cast at right-side centre-back, in a system that leaves him very exposed and is asking him to do quite a lot, with no defensive midfielder in front for any kind of protection, and he's still putting in this level of performance. And despite claims from strange people that were conceding goals for fun, uh, right now we have the joint best defensive record in the league with an Arsenal team that are, I would say, quite dull to watch. At times, some really nice stuff breaks out. But they're not an adventurous side the way we are. They don't commit numbers the way we do. Um, Oftentimes, both fullbacks are actually centre-backs, and they're playing two more defensive-minded midfielders when everybody's fit, Partey and Rice. Now, Rice obviously box-to-box, but he's still more of a defensive box-to-box player than an attacking box-to-box player like Dominic, for example. We've conceded two less goals than City, while also having the third best attack in the league. Now, Arsenal will say, oh, we've scored 26 goals and you've only scored 27. Yeah, but look at who you've played. Look at who you've played. You've had an easier run than we have. And you benefit heavily from that schedule. You know, let's see how it looks when you've played the same kind kind of schedule as us. You've also beaten Bournemouth and Sheffield United really heavily. And that accounts for nine of your 26 goals. But you've had one, two, three, four games where you've scored one or less. That's not ideal. Not ideal. Arsenal don't scare anyone going forward at the moment. Defensively, they look pretty good. But they're easy to get at. And if you start to pull those defenders into positions they don't want to be in, to be fair, we've we've had three games where we've only scored one goal. But we haven't been capped out yet. Um, And we were robbed of a goal in one of those. But I think Arsenal's defence can be opened up fairly easily. You wouldn't trust their goalkeeper. I don't think you'd trust many of the defenders. Midfield's a a bit of a mess at the moment with injuries and whatever else. Partey's out, Odegaard's out. And with Jesus out, the attack looks a little bit disjointed. 
though obviously they scored three at the weekend against a very, very poor Burnley team, while we scored three against a pretty good Brentford team. I think right now we're the second best team in the league. The league table says we're second, and I think the league table is accurate. I I think City will win the league comfortably, but there is a vulnerability to them that I think if we had the pieces we need, a holding midfielder and that left-sided defender that we could rely on to give us a 7, 8 out of 10 every week, I do think we could have a go. But everything's very positive for us at the moment. Like, I know people got down in the dumps over the two results against Luton and Toulouse, but we're still top of our group in Europe. We're second in the Premier League. We're motoring along in the EFL Cup. And so much of that is down to how well this guy is playing at the back. Because without him, it would be a catastrophe. Because we are very open. The, this system has such has its flaws. And the flaws are accentuated by the fact that we don't have a defensive midfielder and our left-sided defender is ill-suited. Both the left-sided defenders we have in Robertson and Costas are ill-suited to the role. If we could sort those out and get a bit more defensive effort out of Trent, like we could be we could be really special because if we get that defensive midfielder, Alexis pushes pushes forward and you get Alexis and Dom behind Mo, Darwin and Diaz or Jota or Gakbo. And that is a pretty lethal attacking group. And then you'd have Trent dictating from deep. You'd have that defensive midfielder in there to provide solidity. And you could just defend with him and the three defenders. Canate, Virgil, and whoever. And I think you'd look really well balanced. Really, really well balanced. And it would be hard to pick a flow on that team. You can argue about Trent, but it would be hard to pick a real flow on that team, assuming everybody's playing well. But Virgil is the key to so much of this. I've said this so many times. With Virgil... We are a title contender, regardless of of anything else. With Virgil playing well, since the minute he arrived, we've been a title contention team. Because even across the back half of that 17-18 season, even though it didn't always reflect in the league results, look, we got to a European Cup final. 18-19, we win the European Cup. 19-20, we walk the league. 2021, he's out and we struggle to get top four. 21-22, we go very, very close to winning everything. And last season, when he just doesn't perform well by his standards, we missed top four. This season, he's back to performing like this. And through 12 games, we're one point off top. He is the the ceiling raiser of this team. He's also the floor setter. As long as he's in this team, worst case scenario is top four. Best case scenario is you win everything. That's that's how good he is. The Ali's like that. Mo is like that. Those three, those three are as good as anyone that's ever played for this club, ever. And when you look at an all time Liverpool eleven, those three have to be in. Now, 
People will say there's others from this era as well, and that's fine. Trent, there's absolutely a case, but, you know, there's also Phil Neal. There's Chrissy Lawler. We've had great right-backs. People will say Andy Robertson. Well, we've had Steve Nichol. We had Ray Kennedy. We had Alec Lindsay. We've had great left-backs. People will say, you know, Matip, but no, there's, there's no, there's no actual case for Joel Matip. Not at a club where Alan Hansen, Phil Thompson, Mark Lawrence and Ron Yates, Tommy Smith have all plied the trade. There's, there's no case for the other centre-back. It's Hansen and then it's the others on the bench. It's Hansen and Virgil. Full-backs, you can make cases, but I, I think Trent is a stronger case than Robertson. Because I think Phil, uh, Steve Nichol is just the answer at left-back. Ali's the best goalkeeper we've had. It had been Ray Clemens, Elijah Scott's worth a mention, but it's it's Ali. Midfield, Sunes has to be in. Gerard has to be in. Barnes has to be in. And that's kind of your midfield. You could play Barnes left wing. You know, you could play Barnes left wing because you might want to put Kenny into midfield, even though he's more of a second striker. Say play Kenny as a 10 with Gerard and Sunes behind them. Suara, uh, Salah, right wing, Barnes, left wing. If we go by goals and longevity, the nine is rush. If we go by who's the best nine we've had at Suarez, you can argue whichever way you want. Um, but Salah is a definite... Virgil's a definite and Ali's a definite. And then Trent is a discussion to be had. But those three, those three are just phenomenal. And Thomas Frank was glowing in his praise of Salah yesterday. Ali made another great 1v1 save yesterday to keep the game at nil-nil after we did two goals disallowed. Like those three are the ones that as long as we have them and as long as they continue to perform, we can compete for silverware. It's a shame that they've been let down a couple of times by decisions that were made in the transfer market regarding, you know, not going and strengthening when the club should have strengthened. Um, because they deserve far more medals than they actually have. Like, they really do. Allison's the best keeper in Premier League history. Virgil's the best defender in Premier League history. And we're getting real close to Mo Salah being the best attacker in Premier League history. For me, it's always been, it's been Henri. He's just always been my go-to whenever that discussion is had. And I would still put him ahead of Mo. But it's really, really close now. And if we consider that Thierry Henry in his first spell at Arsenal was there eight seasons, played 370 games, scored 226 goals... Mo is in season seven with us, 321 games, 198 goals, 
147 in 230 in the Premier League versus uh, Henri's 174 in the Premier League. Mo will pass Henri for Premier League goals next season, assuming he's still at the club. Now, he won't get Henri's goal per game ratio in the Premier League. He'll get it in all competitions. Mo's European track record is is already better than Henri's. Henri had 42 in 85 in European competition for Arsenal. And Mo has 44 in 70 for us. So more goals in less games. Um, but he will get his overall goal tally. And when we consider that Henri, even though he played as a roaming nine, he did play as a nine. And Mo doesn't. I think we really are in the territory where we start to talk about Mo as the best Premier League attacker of all time. He needs and deserves more trophies, though. Henri won two league titles, two FA Cups. To be fair, Mo already has him on trophies, really, if we think about it. Because what Mo has is one league title, but also one Champions League. He only has one FA Cup, but he also has an EFL Cup, a, a Cup Owners Cup, sorry, a, a Super Cup, and a Club World Cup. So on trophies, I would say they're thereabouts. Probably Mo just edging it based on the continental success. Like, I think winning a Champions League is harder than winning a Premier League, which is why us is the most successful club. How only have six European Cups as opposed to our 19 league titles. Arsenal have, what, 12 or 13 league titles and no European Cups. Henri was PFA Players Player of the Year twice and Football Writers Player of the Year three times. Mo, PFA Player of the Year twice, Football Writers Player of the Year twice. Mo has three Premier League golden boots. Henri has four. Henri never played against a freak of nature like Haaland, though. There was no Haaland in the league when Henri was there. So, you know, last season, um, and he also never had a Harry Kane. Last season, Mo gets 19. He wouldn't have been in the mix. But this season, he's already got 10. He would be in the lead if not for the presence of Erling Haaland. Mo has other seasons where he had, you know, incredible seasons, but Harry Kane beat him to the Golden Boot. They both had one 30-goal season. Yeah, I, I think we're getting to that stage where we have to have that conversation. Is Mohamed Salah the best attacking player the Premier League has ever seen? I'd still probably just about lean on Ree. But I think I think it's razor sharp, razor close, and I think Mo is without question number two. Over Shearer, over anybody else you want to name. And when you factor the other two in, like that is incredible that we have had those three in the one team for this long now. Like Mo arrives summer of twenty seventeen, Virgil arrives January. 2018 and Ali arrived summer 2018. 
So from 2018 onwards, we've had this trio who've just, they're just incredible. They're just phenomenal. And yesterday, again, is evidence as to why. Mo gets his two goals. Ali makes that big save. Virgil was just imperious. We might never have this again. Like, the only time in club history we've had three players who are definitely in our all-time eleven was Sunes, Hansen, and Kenny. So enjoy all of this while you can. And hopefully, hopefully we extend Mo, we extend Virgil, and we extend this run, and we win another league title, another European Cup, because these players deserve it. They absolutely deserve it. And I, I, I don't feel like they're appreciated nearly enough. I don't feel like they're lauded for the greatness that they've put forward every single game for this club. You can check out the latest offerings from This Is Anfield and Liverpool.com yourself. On AnfieldIndex.com, there is a piece about Ibu. There is a piece about Jürgen's take on the Premier League, a piece about Jürgen praising Darwin. Uh, Virgil was Anfield Index's man of the match yesterday. And there is the lessons learned piece um, from the win. Podcast-wise, there's a new Scouser Tommy's, which you should definitely give a listen to. There is rival recon for Brentford. It's obviously kind of dated now, but well worth a listen if you haven't heard it already. And should give post-match raw a listen if you get a chance. It's about an hour 40. So, you know, we didn't, we didn't, uh, we didn't skimp on that one. Uh, we'll leave it there, folks. I will see you all tomorrow where I will ramble and ramble and ramble some more. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.